for uh, taking time out of your day uh, to talk to us. We're really excited for this. Uh, today's topic is going to be recovering from nagging injuries and smart treadmill training. Uh, we're going to talk to Malcolm McCauley. He's a physical therapist based out of Duluth, Minnesota. Years of experience of the light speed lift, a body weight support system for use on the treadmill. The patented system is used by many elite runners, such as Alexi Pappas and Jordan Hussain. Malcolm is going to talk about how to effectively train and stay healthy on the treadmill, how to use this extended layoff as an opportunity to recover from nagging injuries, how you're handling the new emerging issues in your field of physical therapy, and the uses of the light speed system to enhance recovery. Awesome. I'm super excited for this, uh, this discussion because um, you know, with this series, we're trying to make things relevant to the current time, but also in the future relevant for anybody. So I think a lot of people will be able to take a ton of information um, from, from this. Starting off, do you wanna give us just a little bit of a background before yourself, before we dive into some of these topics today? Sure, sure. Well, uh, I've been a physical therapist now for 33 years and been a runner for about, um, oh gosh, 40 years it's coming up on now. I didn't, didn't start till I was in my later 20s used to laugh at runners like a lot of people still do. And then all of a sudden, when I was uh, going to graduate school in Bozeman, Montana, I, I got, I got hornschnaggled into running on trails and, and, and exploring. Trail running was just starting to, to take off at that time. When I, when I came back and I started, started working as a, as a physical therapist, uh, part of my practice just naturally evolved into working with runners. And so that's that's been a been one of my niches for probably a good, well, throughout the whole 33 years, I guess. And it gets more and more. I, the more things uh, change with running, the more they stay the same. It's still the basics. Exactly. Um, Bozeman used to be a pretty small town, but I think Bozeman's growing a lot. Like a lot of people are flocking that area. Yeah, it's got, it's got uh, well, you know, you're in Boulder, so it's yeah. got that kind of vibe if, if you haven't been there in, in five years it looks it looks totally different so I was in I was in Bozeman back in 1989-90 just to put some perspective on no, mm-hmm. 79-80 to put some perspective on it and to take some take some hair off of my head so <laughs> that's where we, where we go with that but it's a beautiful town still the mountains are beautiful uh, as I know they are in Boulder too right Awesome. Well, we got uh, quite a diverse amount of topics to talk about, and I want to give you a chance to touch on all of these because I feel like individually all these topics are important, but put in the general gist of relating, you know, what time we're in now and how people might be relegated more towards indoor running. Um, the first topic that I want to talk about is treadmill training. So the first kind of uh, line of discussion we have is if you're being forced to train on the treadmill when you typically would not, how should you modify your training routine or what should you be mindful of? So I think this is very important for people that normally, you know, it's the end of March at the very beginning of April now. So people are getting more and more excited to be running outside, but with current situations, they might be force a little bit more inside. So what are some of the considerations that people should take if they find their training situation um, being directed, you know, against maybe their wishes that they have to be indoors? What are some smart training tips you'd give? 
Well, the treadmill has a, probably a well-earned reputation you know, with a lot of people as a, as a treadmill versus a, a treadmill. It's something that we think we want to be outside, we want to be out uh, running. Uh, and, you know, I think we're fortunate in Duluth normally to be able to do it outside in all, in all kinds of weather. However, we're in the springtime shoulder season here where our trails get muddy, things are, are a little bit icy and whatnot. So if you get a chance to run on a treadmill, and I, and I think it, do think it's a good thing to do, a couple of things to realize. Uh, number one, put that treadmill up to 2% or so. I think you get a much more realistic running event with, with that treadmill up there. Uh, number two is is give yourself plenty of time to warm up. Uh, when we go outside, it's easy to just start off, but realize that running on a treadmill requires slightly different mechanics. Once people have been on it for a while, there's a comfort zone, and you can walk into a club and, and watch people that run pretty naturally on a treadmill, but when you see people doing it for the first couple of times, you kind of notice that they're maybe leaning a little forward. They're up. They're up close to the front, just in case uh, they lose their balance. So give yourself plenty of time to go slowly. Um, I, I like to have it slow speeds. Uh, I usually will tell people to start off turning your head just a little bit, not crazy, but kind of to get used to that, so that as you get going. When you do turn your head, you don't get thrown off the treadmill. Someone may walk by. You may want to talk to somebody that's by you, and there's a tendency to get thrown off sideways. So warm up easily. Uh, get relaxed. Make sure you're breathing down into your diaphragm. Typically, runners, when they're starting, tend to be a little bit more tense, and we'll see more chest breathing early on. So... Go through a little checklist, uh, and if you start off slowly, you can can do that. Uh, I think a treadmill is a, is a nice tool to use because you've got you got pace there. It's a good place to work on cadence, getting your getting your stride mechanics down better. Oftentimes, there can be mirrors around, or you can set up cameras pretty easily to uh, do that. I know that's a topic later on, but. Uh, the one thing that I don't see people doing uh, that I that I think is is really helpful for is that you don't have to go just straight forward on a treadmill. You can go side to side. You can go backwards. Uh, you can you can do little little maneuvers. Again, at a slow speed and perhaps holding on when you first do it. But running is a it's a pretty straight straightforward pathway. And I know other uh, people on this show have talked about that, how we need to work on, on our muscles in other planes also. And a treadmill actually gives you a good place so that you can be running forward, but you can go sideways too and work some of those side hip muscles. Turning yourself to go backwards, you can work on those mechanics. So uh, allow yourself on that treadmill to uh, step outside, a little bit outside of your comfort zone get going with that. And you can make that treadmill into a, a much more useful tool at that point. Right. Yeah, that's um, that's maybe something that I'm kind of curious about because I definitely have um, thought of the treadmill years past and then in current training, uh, you know, if we get two feet of snow here in Boulder, all of a sudden it's 
a little bit less than ideal to run outside the next morning. Um, we have a great treadmill in the office or my apartment complex has some treadmills and it's a training tool. A lot of people see it as um, maybe they have to go run on the treadmill instead of like, oh, they get to work on a different skill set. And yeah, definitely something I'm interested in talking a little bit uh, later today is, uh, you know, getting to practice skills and how you can specifically um, maybe change your mindsets about having to be indoors, but all of a sudden it opens up these worlds of possibilities because uh, you can add in some different things that you might not otherwise uh, have been able to. So um, the the second uh, part of this topic I wanted to talk about, uh, you mentioned uh, a, a great kind of segue into this of, um, you know, once somebody runs on the treadmill for the first time in the, you know, quote unquote season, uh, they feel a little bit like uh, Bambi on ice with their, you know, they just feel uncoordinated, it doesn't feel as natural. Um, what are some things you should pay attention to in terms of the environment? So everybody knows that uh, typically, unless you have a, you know, a good treadmill set up in your garage, that's really well ventilated, or you can open it and be, you know, outside, typically you're in a gym and that's gonna be room temperature anywhere from mid 60s to 70s, not as great ventilation, your treadmill might not have fans on it. What are some environmental considerations that people should pay attention to? Well, um, of course, nobody can be in a gym right now. We're, they're, all, they're all closed down. I guess we took care of that, that problem. But a couple of things that, that come up, you know, they've got, they got great water bottle holders right there. That's a nice thing. Uh, bring a towel with you. Uh, be nice to the people around you and, and be able to mop yourself off while you're, while you're running uh, and going. Do take a look around. Treadmills oftentimes have fans built into them, especially the newer ones. But take a look around here if you're in a gym situation or, or if it's your home treadmill, because investing in a, in a small fan will really add into uh, enjoyment on a treadmill. It's not as much of an oxymoron as it, as it might sound. Um, as you use a treadmill more and start to relax your muscles too, it will become easier. People, when they first get on it, with that extra muscle tension that, that maybe is there because they're in the Bambi mode, do expend more energy, get sweatier, they're not breathing as easily. So if you find that's true, don't be afraid to back down that pace and just kind of get back into a, a groove, even at a, a fast walk. I, I think fast walking is, is a skill that runners neglect and being able to get on a treadmill and, and walk away at, at a high speed, four and a half, five, even five and a half miles an hour walking is, is extremely difficult, but it really helps with hip mobility, helps with ankle mobility, uh, builds up strength in some different systems that we don't, we don't run. We get pretty stiff, but to walk fast takes a different set of muscles that will really translate well into injury prevention, injury recovery when you do go back on the road. So if you're there and you don't, you know, running isn't going so well, play around with, with some fast, fast walking, you know, nobody wants to do that, that geeky race walking thing out on the, out on the streets, or at least I, I don't, but on a treadmill, it's, it's not quite as bad. So, uh, I advocate 
that and in fact one of my one of my workouts for people recovering from say an Achilles injury or plantar fasciitis or maybe even some knee pain stress reaction type is a walking workout where you're not going to get as much of the pounding so you might walk at four miles an hour at say a five percent incline for two minutes and then put it up to 15 percent incline uh, drop it down one mile per hour and do that for two minutes and if you alternate back and forth between five percent and a little faster 15 percent usually about one mile per hour slower and repeat that uh, for 30 to 60 minutes you'll 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 get the heart pumping pretty good so you get the cardiovascular benefit and it's as close to running as as you're going to get it's a nice transition from saying gosh I've been biking or I've been doing aqua jogging or something. I, I think a treadmill is a much better option at that point. Yeah, I think that's um, super interesting because the next kind of point we wanted to touch on was uh, using incline training. Um, with the uh, maybe transition to the treadmill, if like, yeah, let's say somebody has been swimming, aqua jogging or biking, they've been doing no impact, so uh, less than low impact, no impact training. Um, what would be maybe one to three uh, golden uh, things to remember? So you mentioned earlier that if somebody is running, maybe set it to one or two percent. Um, you know, we've we've talked about that on our show in the past. Of um, because you're not running outside through air resistance, it's going to be um, you know less power required for actually running a certain pace, but adding it to one to 2%. And then you mentioned alternating between walking, maybe give us um, if people can take home one or two or three numbers to remember on the treadmill uh, that they can kind of uh, add into their repertoire. What would be some of those considerations that you'd add in? Well, I think when you're just, when you are just going back to running, it can kind of depend on, uh, or if you've been taking time off from a rehabilitation perspective and want to start going a little bit easier, Walking at a 5% uh, to maybe 8%, but I'd say 5% is a nice incline. Uh, there's less impact actually than when you're walking on a level, so you can walk slower and still get a cardiovascular effort. So putting that treadmill at 5% uh, and get, get that mechanics back. Um, I think it's so important. We, we forget when you've been injured, there's a... Um, there's a fear factor that's, that stays within us. And when I watch people that haven't been able to walk or run normally for a while, there's a flinch when they're hitting the ground. And I think oftentimes there's a tendency to try and do too much too soon. The, the doctor or the PT said, okay, I can, I can go now. And so we, we kind of forget that maybe I haven't been doing anything for a while. So walking at an incline 5% and even taking it up to 10 or 15%, there's less impact at that point. It takes muscle output, especially backside muscle, but it's a good way to mitigate uh, and let your body get back and build up, I call them the calluses of, uh, of running on your joints, strengthen up the tendons versus putting yourself back, right back into a blister situation when you when you really haven't been stressing those joints so start off at a five percent fairly easy get the upper body going get comfortable get that breathing 
if 5% feels pretty easy, you can go up to 10%, you're still going to get a good muscular effort at that point. Drop it back down, and, and if you want to start jogging again, 5% incline is a nice place to start and get cardiovascular without quite as much impact. Yeah, I think that's a great tip, and this might be something that um, people that don't really use the treadmill too often kind of neglect. And this is something that um, I know most adults like myself uh, kind of fail to recognize is warming up. So some people might do some leg swings or they might do, you know, kind of the fake calf stretch on the side of the treadmill deck, um, like one or two times say, okay, that's good. I'm just going to go right into my run. Um, me personally, I'm somebody that when I start on a treadmill, I start at about uh, 10 minute miles or like six miles an hour, even slower than that sometimes because I recognize that I'm not going to immediately jump into it, but I've run a marathon at, you know, 516 per mile pace, but I'm going to go twice as slow to start out to, to warm up. Would you say that maybe one thing people could take away from this as well is adding in a really quick warm-up routine of actually like walking at that that type of incline what would maybe a really quick one to five minute structured warm-up look like because um, you briefly mentioned it but i like to give people a very concrete uh no excuse type of uh, routine that they could add in man i didn't know you were that fast 516 that, that's uh, that's fine but but you're from boulder so that's a different territory there exactly <laughs> Yeah, so here's here's what I like. Uh, start off start off with a walk. You know, you can you can walk. So a minute, and we'll just run through it. If you, if you go for a minute walk, five percent if you want, but I think just a two or three percent at an easy at an easy pace. After a minute, go sideways. Drop down your speed. Shuffle sideways for thirty strides. Go backwards for thirty strides sideways the other way for 30 strides and back to forwards that'll and then walking to finish out that minute turn sideways but doing it the reverse way so maybe you were turning clockwise the first time take it counterclockwise the second time um, and do if you do four revolutions to each direction you've warmed up your side muscles you've warmed up your ankle uh, you've got everybody kind of looking at you in the gym going, what, what's with that guy a little bit? Uh, and I think you've gotten your breathing loosened up at that point in time, too. So at that time, then go ahead and, and jump into your game. But for a five-minute routine, one minute of just straightforward and then four minutes worth of, I call it a matrix walk where you're, or a compass walk where you're going to face more southeast and west for about 15 seconds in each direction. So, Awesome. And you, you touched on very briefly uh, earlier that uh, running, especially on the treadmill, because you're not turning, going side to side, you're focused on that plane, the sagittal plane. So you're only going forward, but you're advocating that it's totally acceptable, totally normal, and everybody else should be looking at you and taking cues from you from warming up that kind of lateral side. So take it from Malcolm, the expert, that it is totally okay to take a little bit of extra time to warm up too. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In, in Duluth, there's kind, there's kind of a saying, because I do work with a lot of run. just tell them Malcolm told you to do it. <laughs> That's great. Um, I have one last question on this 
first topic about treadmill training. So we've talked about the considerations of people maybe not um, you know, being as comfortable with the skill of running on a treadmill or it might be more hot or people are might, maybe not used to it. Do you consider running on the treadmill to be more stressful than outdoor running? So like, let's just say somebody's going to their home treadmill, it's only their treadmill or they're going to their gym in the past or the future. Um, what should runners pay attention to to see if treadmill training and switching to treadmill training at certain times is more beneficial in terms of a stress or less stressful? How could people maybe recognize some of these cues? Uh, well, heart rate monitor is is a, is a good way good way to go. You've got I, I think conceptually it's probably a little bit tougher outside. You've got to push the ground. You don't have the treadmill belt that's taking you taking you back and thus the 2% incline helps a little bit. Uh, that's when they say mechanics come out, at least stride mechanics come out close to the same. I, I, I tend to think um, that I, I'd love to see the stride pod data on it. I, I think there's, there's some good things. We're gonna, we're gonna try a little bit of that tomorrow, but um, I, I think heart rate monitor gives you a good indication Treadmill, if, if you're really wondering about stride mechanics, uh, treadmill gives you a great opportunity to do some video in. Um, you can actually pair your video with, with the TV that's set up uh, either at the same time uh, or quick quick review on it. But we're all walking around these days with these high-tech uh, motion analysis machines in our pocket or on an iPad that I think are just fabulous. and uh, it's just like showing somebody how to, how to hit a tennis serve or hit a golf shot. Running is, is not necessarily a natural thing. Uh, we all can look at different people on the streets, and we may think we're doing it naturally, but, but it really, I think, helps to take a look at it and see, gosh, what is our foot strike actually doing? What's my lean? Am I, am I getting into this? And, and a treadmill can be a great place to to help you out on that. So I'm not sure if I answered the question whether it's more stress or strain, but it, it can be a really good place to take your camera out, uh, shoot some video and take a look at it and see how you're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's great. Um, I can maybe touch on a couple of points. So for the, the heart rate side, I totally agree. Um, you know, at Stride, we're a power company, but you should never throw anything totally away. If you're normally used to running, um, you know, outside in 40 degree weather, then all of a sudden you have to transition, you can track some environmental stress by associating, you know, equal conditions. Or you could say, let's say you put your, um, you know, stride on your shoe and you're running track repeats at an exact pace. You try and run that exact pace in the treadmill. You can see maybe your ground contact time's different because you're better at pushing off the ground rather than the belt moving underneath you. So yeah, this is, it, you absolutely answered the question. Um, I have three questions from our listeners. And I wanna remind anybody for listening on the live stream right now that you can drop your questions in the chat and we'll get to these over the course of this presentation. The first one here is touching on treadmill incline. And uh, this listener says, hello, I've read some articles that say when running at a relatively slow, less than eight miles per hour, uh, the incline is not necessary as wind resistance is not a factor at these speeds. Is there any truth to this? And I suppose this is, um, two lines of thought, whether the only goal is to 
you know, account for wind resistance and how you don't have that indoors, or is adding a one to 2% incline um, not only for wind resistance, but also for adding some variety in there. So that um, I, would, I would turn that question over to you. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact study, um, but my uh, my thought on that would be <clears throat> for for me and for most people, it actually feels more normal biomechanically wise to have it up at one or two percent. I almost well, I feel now like I'm running downhill at, at zero. Uh, and also, there's a consideration of that the belt is moving with you. Uh, on the treadmill when it's not outside. So I think the force force reaction of your foot hitting the belt, that 2% uh, gives you a better better work effort. So I, I, would, I would stay with the 2% on that, but I don't know about the wind, the wind factor. Yeah, um, I, I, I have read studies in the past and it's, um, they throw out different numbers and stuff, but I guess the um, main kind of thing we can talk about for practicality is try it and see see what works for you, right? Um, we have a second question here from Michael Ellenberger. He says, all things equal, would you ever recommend athletes do their workouts on the treadmill, even if the weather allows for the same performance outdoors? Or is an outdoor session always, quote unquote, better? Are there benefits of the treadmill that are often overlooked? And maybe uh, the benefits that are potentially overlooked is for specific quality sessions, even if you're able to run outdoors? Well, I'll, I'll take that again is, is saying, yeah, I think the treadmill uh, should be a regular part of your routine because I think we neglect form as runners. And, and I think the best place to really get feedback on your form is to is doing video work on a, on a treadmill or mirror work, however you want to do that. And the fact that you can be so controlled and, and I'll say precise on speeds and I think once you're comfortable on a treadmill, it can be uh, relative, it can be easier to focus on foot strike and, and cadence. Uh, I find myself, and even forward lean, what am I doing with my arms? Whereas outside oftentimes, A, it's hard to change and B, most of us don't have a, a, a camera track that can run right along with us or a drone that flies or however they do it. We can get consistent footage uh, inside it and, and then change it right away. Auditories can be really nice also. You can really hear your foot strike nicely. Uh, so I, I would advocate for doing regular treadmill uh, workouts and we use our body weight support system quite a bit beyond that too, but we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into that because I am fascinated and very intrigued to hear more. We have one last question uh, from Jim, just touching on the warm-up routine that you talked about specifically. When you're talking about warming up sideways, so laterally, is that a shuffle? So your feet are making this motion or are they crossing over like karaoke style? Yeah, I normally do a do a shuffle on that just because treadmill belts vary uh, by size. So uh, if I start crossing over, I'm, I might end up on one of those YouTube crash uh, sites there, and I don't want to be on the worst worst fails there. So give yourself some time, um, but but you do go with that shuffle. I think you get get plenty of of lateral. You get the group meet going to get your eighty doctors going. Uh, so I think you're fine on that. But I shuffle. I don't carry over. 
Awesome. Uh, and that would be, you know, potentially treacherous if you're on a really small gym treadmill belt versus a, a slightly bigger one you might have at like a PT clinic too. So yeah, sticking with that shuffle, totally great. All right. Um, topic number two we have here is rehab. And we're going to talk about the uh, PT side, which I'm excited about. And we already have a couple questions from people addressing some of these things. Um, the first line of dialogue we have is how do you recommend runners take care of nagging or long-term injuries during this time period of no races? Is this a unique opportunity to rehab? Well, I think no races, uh, as long as you're still getting out the door on a regular basis is, is good. Uh, you know, we race because we want to push ourselves a lot harder, uh, which of course amps up the injury, injury time. And we've all experienced that as we get there's two danger zones kind of in that, in that training cycle. That's number one, when you're first starting out and starting to ramp up your mileage, uh, people tend to get a little injured there. In the middle of a cycle, they're, they're pretty good. And then when they get closer to the race and, and right before, as they, if they haven't been doing speed work and they go to the track and start, start pushing a little more, that's the second, second time where I really see a cycle there. So I think right now, it's a great time to, you can dial things back a little bit. You can work on, on base work. You can do some walking. Uh, you can do cross training uh, where maybe you're spending a little more time on bike. Hiking can be an excellent thing. Um, just getting out and doing different activities without the, the pressure of a race on. So I think all of those are, are nice. Spending, spending the time that you need to do on, on the stretchers um, that maybe you've gotten in, in PT land. Uh, my, my number one for every, every runner, every athlete is you, you got to stretch that psoas muscle. You just have to have to keep those hip, those hip flexors loose. Uh, I, I could let almost every other stretch go, uh, but I'd always, I'd always say, you know, get that, take the time now to get that hip flexor stretched out in whatever manner you want to do it. But, do it. Don't don't get let that muscle get tight on you. Awesome. Yeah, this um, transitions actually exactly into my next question: Is what are exercises or drills that someone should do during an extended period of downtime that all of a sudden they don't have excuses anymore to not start trying some new ones? So um, maybe give us yeah the psoas stretch. Uh, maybe one other you find really helpful. Just something that anybody watching this or listening to this um, could take away and add into their routine. Okay. Well, <clears throat> number one, get, get that psoas. Just, just, just get the psoas. Uh, two of the ways I like to do it the best are uh, kind of the Thomas position stretch. It's where you're laying on your back on a hard surface. You draw one knee up to your chest to lock in. You lay back. You let the other leg hang off a surface. And then you activate your glute. So actually turn on the glute where you're trying to push that leg down in so that you don't have the inhibition. Uh, we, we talk about doing gluteal exercises to try and strengthen that glute. But oftentimes I find that um, runners, especially that gluteal isn't necessarily weak, but it's inhibited by tightness in that psoas. So if, you're, if, if the front side is tight, the back side's not gonna show up. It gets turned off. Um, and nobody, no runner wants to end up with a dead butt syndrome, right? Um, so, Get your, get your button gear and 
that's one way to do it. Thomas test position. Uh, the other one is uh, at the Bretzel stretch, uh, bikers might be familiar with that, or if you looked it up online, you'll see some variations. It's called the Bretzel, B-R-E-T-Z-E-L, which is a great way to do it. Uh, other than that, um, I like to do dynamic one-legged exercises. Um, <clears throat> Because I think when we talk about core, when rehab people talk about core, people tend to think about just doing ab work and, and such. But the core is really about, it's about the hips, it's about the trunk on down. Realistically, you're just supposed to be able to hold yourself while the rest of things move. So my advocacy at this point in time is that you do as much work as you can standing on, on one leg. And I think what you'll find is when you put yourself standing on one leg that you don't need a lot of weight. Um, you know, if I've got my leg up in the air and I'm, and I'm swinging a weight around or just you know kind of going even through a stride motion, my core is totally activated. My leg that I'm standing on is, is really working, working hard. And the nice part is it's, it's actually working in all three planes um, which, uh, even though we're, we're going straight down the track, uh, the muscles that are, are really worked are, are working in, in all three planes. We've got transverse plane, which is really the most important uh, plane to be working in. So uh, if you take a weight uh, in one hand, stand on the opposite leg uh, and go through some struts, uh, you go through, maybe you got weights in both hands, but if you go through a minute to two minutes worth of pretty vigorous strides while you're on one leg and you're swinging the opposite leg uh, as you're going, um, you're going to really turn on those, those deep hip muscles in the leg that you're standing on. At the same time, you're going to turn on your core in the same way that you use it when you're running. And so if you use that as a, as a drill, you're going to improve your, your balance. You're going to improve your, your ability to push off the ground, find the ground, push off quickly, and go. Uh, and I know so many of my, my uh, clients, patients, friends, when they, when they first come in and they stand on one leg, they go, well, I got bad balance. Well, you, you, you know, balance is a skill. You work on it. Uh, if you got bad balance, you can't. You know, stand up and, and put a shoe on, or if you can't do a, a stride motion uh, because your quote balance is, isn't good, it isn't. There's a skill to that, but there and there's also a strength component there. So one-legged exercise uh, is, is because running is a one-legged exercise. Right. I think that's a, a great like take away, you know, isolating. Um, and then uh, if you could spell SOAS uh, for me, you spelled the pretzel, but I know a bunch of people might be searching like S-O-A-S. -S. Could you spell SOAS really quickly? Yeah, it's P-S-O-A-S. -S. Awesome, cool. I know that would trip me up uh, if I hadn't looked it up before. So, um, all right, next question here is if people are confined to their homes instead of the office, is there a unique opportunity to be doing recovery drills or exercises during the day? So maybe um, now that they have an example of some exercises they can incorporate, what kind of schedule would you suggest incorporating a couple of these stretches or um, maybe setting out a certain amount of time per week or per day 
what would that recommendation kind of look like? Well, I, I think you can do these drills on a, on a daily basis. The one, the one I forgot to put in um, up front was I, I love the foam roller, uh, you know, but I like to have it when I, when I see people using the foam roller, I just see them kind of yammering away on that IT. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to mash the heck out of this thing. I like to have people use that foam roller over their whole body. Um, so that you roll it up your calves, your, your back, all the way up, turn sideways on it, get those lats, turn on your front side, get the quads, turn it to the inside, get the adductors. And the beauty of it is you're getting, uh, you're, you're getting your fascia moving, you're getting your lymph moving, you're actually activating, you'll find you're activating your core muscles a lot as you move about in those weird things to, uh, to get into different positions and you have to stretch pretty well. So you're, you're taking joints dynamically through a full range of motion. So five minutes on a foam roller um, is, is a great way. It, it's the perfect warm up for any run. Standing and doing some dynamic arm and leg swings, single leg, doing, doing work there. And I would say if you did two minutes on each leg twice a day, it's a skill that you're building up. So I don't think you're going to overtrain it. It's not like you're going to get sore muscles on this. Uh, but we really want to, running is a, is a neuromuscular skill event. Um, we spend a lot of time and there's a lot of articles out there on, the, on getting strong and getting powerful for running. And there's, there's value in that. But there's a lot of uh, really fast skinny runners out there too that don't, that, uh, that don't have a lot of power and uh, can go pretty well. Not that strength training is, is going to make you slower. Smart strength training can really help. But I, I really advocate getting, getting that sense of, can I get my arms and legs swinging, standing on one leg, um, is, is going to make you a faster, better runner. So you said, um, you know, working up to two minutes, uh, maybe twice a day, would you say if somebody is uh, maybe brushing their teeth in the morning or the evening, it would be a good way to start maybe balancing on one leg and just getting used to that type of like proreceptive style stuff too? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think the more, the more you get used, used to that uh, balance work, the, the more natural it becomes. And if you've got one leg that's not as that, that, that you tend to fall off of, uh, many of us have sprained an ankle someplace along the way and the research is pretty clear that that doesn't come back by itself. If you mm -hmm. don't spend a little attention, we, we're going to have that quote trick ankle that we tend to just accept. So if you find you got it, work on it. It's a great time to, to do that. Uh, dig in, dig into some of the weaknesses. Uh, you don't have to race for a little bit. Uh, come out of your comfort zone and uh, and do it. And since we're all locked in, we won't look uh, we won't look kind of crazy out there while we're brushing our teeth and standing. <laughs> Standing on things. Right. Um, this uh, touches very briefly on the last question, too, which um, I'm glad I thought of the toothbrush thing before reading this last question. Um, are there any sort of uh, common household tools that can help aid in recovery? So, taking, um, you know, maybe we, we had uh, Lindsay and Kaylee Flanagan, they're both elite runners uh, here in Boulder. They talked about how they're um, you know, doing some squats with a, a laundry jug just because it's an implement they have around the house. What would maybe be some uh, clever pieces of equipment that you could find around the house to maybe implement and give you 
a little bit of motivation to add in, uh, you know, a movement for their physical running health. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I love I love the milk jugs or the uh, the plain jugs. Those are those are just great. Um, we we have uh, people do a lot of a lot of diagonal reaching. I think uh, Ginger did a little bit of that the other day in her things, but with a water jug. And if if you reach down and across and and up and over. You're really making it, making yourself a nice uh, tri planar motion that, that can can help people out a, a lot. It doesn't take a lot of weight. It's extremely challenging. Um, so those can work well. A rolling pin can be something if you don't happen to have a foam roller. Then a, a rolling pin. Again, get on that, get on that, and work that a little bit. Um, I've seen people that actually glue uh, parts of their yoga mat onto that rolling pin so it's a little bit softer and you know who rolls out uh, bread dough that often anyway so that can be that can be a nice tool i think stairs are 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 great tools doing doing some step ups or hop ups type of things um to to do that again single leg hops up onto a stair a uh, single stair can be a, a great way to go. If, if one stair is daunting, maybe you've got a, a few two by eights uh, sitting around someplace that you can just practice hopping up and down. Again, running is that single leg sport. So the more you can, can do while you're on just one leg, body weight does a lot for you. Awesome. Uh, we have some listener questions that came in over this segment. I uh, want to touch a little bit on the PT side. Uh, Jim Delfino asks, any strategy to rehab from Morton's neuroma and return to running? Maybe one key tip uh, for somebody dealing with Morton's neuroma. Okay. Well, Morton's neuroma is, is, is uh, uh, dysfunction in the foot, kind of up, up along the ball of the ball of the foot there. Nerves get irritated there. Uh, so what you really want is good ankle mobility. And uh, for that, um, I, I like to A, self-mobilization of your foot. Just pull your foot up into the tie my shoe kind of thing with your, with your shoe off. And I don't think we can see it too well on, on my camera here, but, but really work the mobility on that foot. But number two, and I'm going to put myself at risk here. I'm going to stand up and, and show you a little thing. Um, this is kind of the, the Charleston exercise. So if you're standing, um, and I think shoes off on this thing, but if you go from a knees out to knees together, keeping your feet down pretty flat, it helps ankle mobility a lot. And so spending a minute or two like that, uh, because if our ankles aren't mobile, then our foot really takes a really quick hit and that's when those neuromas tend to develop. Awesome, great. Uh, thanks for your bravery as well, demonstrating the, the stuff. I can, um, you know, even if I didn't know you uh, were doing PT stuff, I could tell just the way that you're able to seamlessly walk over a bench and demonstrate exercises like very quickly. It's a, it's a sure tell of a good PT, I think, just being uh, comfortable with the space and demonstrating the stuff. Um, Jeff Daniels asked a question uh, saying, I'm suffering some sciatica symptoms, very painful. I have a doctor's appointment set up to find the cause. What treadmill suggestions can you offer to keep some movement that won't cause more harm for this specific sciatica stuff? 
Mm, that's a great question. Uh, typically, uh, sciatica is, is tends to be aggravated, and there's a lot of variations on it. It's a pain in the pain in the butt, basically, um, nerve irritation on that. So forward flexion tends to make it more irritated uh, in that case. So backwards walking on a treadmill can be really good because it tends to put us up into more extension. Um, sideways can be pretty good. In that case, I don't advocate uh, at an incline because we tend to bend forward more. So uh, backwards walking and actually fast forward walking, but on a level can be good because as you're starting to move your trunk around, um, getting mobility, sciatica tends to make us clench our muscles, uh, which leads into a cycle of immobility, more pain. Um, and if you can break that a little bit, sometimes even uh, putting your hands down into the handrails on a treadmill, if you don't have a body weight support, lifting yourself up just a little bit to, in effect, give yourself some self-traction while you're walking is a, is a very powerful tool there. Awesome. That's a great tip. Um, Steve Sutherland asks, do you recommend incorporating jump rope or skipping rope? Because you mentioned incorporating maybe some stairs to hop up. Um, if somebody is used to jumping rope, is that a good kind of substitute for that? Yeah, I love jump rope. Yeah, it's a, it's a great exercise. Again, uh, spend some time single leg, single leg work, I think is uh, more, more challenging. I think it's more realistic for runners to, uh, to do that. So Single leg uh, jump rope is good stuff. And people don't necessarily have to do all the fancy crossing with the jump rope and stuff. They can just focus on jumping off of one leg or both legs too. Right, yep. Awesome. Uh, last question uh, before we talk about the light speed lift. Uh, if someone is just returning to impact running, how long does it typically take the connective tissues like tendons and ligaments as well as bone to adapt or how long for a base slash adaptation phase for this kind of like muscle skeletal system? Longer than you think. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably the, uh, the short on that. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we've done a, we've done a good job during, during rehab to the muscles are fairly, the muscle bellies themselves are, are fairly strong. Uh, tendons and ligaments, six to eight weeks bones, uh, two to three months type of thing, you know, it gets, it can be three months and there's uh, putting stress on them is good. Uh, you want to stress them. So light plyometric exercise actually does the best for that, particularly for that, that tendon bone attachment and even the muscular tendon and then tendon bone attachment. So light, quick plyometric type movements will stimulate bone healing better than anything. Same thing goes for, for walking or getting a stress reaction to, to start getting better. Putting impact through it is, is good. Uh, pain is your guide. That's, that's purely it. Uh, once you've been in a situation where you've had significant damage, give yourself more time than you think. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like that, um, you know, that mindset coming back from maybe an extended layoff is uh, 
when you think you're back, add on like another week or two, just because it's not worth it to dive back down the, the hole. Um, I want to let people know that this will be the last chance for questions uh, after this topic. So if you have any other questions, please feel free to drop them in the chat. This is always one of the things that I find the most insight from is we have this great structured, um, you know, line of dialogue, but then the people listening and watching live have great questions that we would have never um, posed. So I, I really like the listener questions. Um, this topic is the thing that I'm most interested about. I've uh, been, you know, kind of eyeing this green system. Uh, it's sit sitting right behind you. It's very eye-catching. Uh, can you explain some of the advantages of the light speed system? Maybe tell people what it is uh, and how this system may be uniquely beneficial during this time period of someone who's forced to do a lot of treadmill running. So um, turning the floor over to you to talk um, all about light speed lift. Okay, well, thanks. Um, well, body weight support uh, is just lifting, lifting a person up a little bit, taking, well, 25 pounds of body weight off, 20 to 20 to 30 pounds of body weight off when you're walking or running on a treadmill. Um, I started using body weight support for runners back in the mid 1990s when I had a, a client of mine who suffered a disc injury in his neck. And, and he was a, a very good marathon runner, a 236 marathoner. Um, more than that, he was an addicted runner. And when he couldn't run, uh, like many of us, all of a sudden he was going kind of bat, bat crazy type of thing. His work was suffering, his home life was suffering, uh, he was getting, getting to be a cranky bear. Restored neck motion, restored everything else, but the impact of running. Systems that were around at that time, and still systems that are around to this day, were kind of clunky, expensive, uh, overhead things that lifted from the, uh, lifted from the rib cage. Uh, nonetheless, I made one of those systems up out of a boat winch and a cable, and ran a tra traction belt over a treadmill and put a fish scale in there and, and lifted him up by 20 pounds. And um, and for the first time in about two months, he, he got that big, he got that big joyous smile on his face. You know, we talked about the joy of running and that is what we like to do. It's that feeling of, of freedom that, that we get. And he goes, wow, this is great. And after about five more minutes, he said, wow, this could help even a normal runner. Even if I wasn't broken, this could help me run better. I could get, I could be more efficient running if I had this weight off me. Because when you're lighter, you can focus on your mechanics more. You get a chance to move your legs faster for a longer period of time. Um, I can't run a quarter mile at a 516 pace, you know, but I'd like to, but on with a body weight support system on, I can, and I can learn the skill of, you know, there, there's definitely a neuromuscular program that goes on when, you, when you're working on it. Uh, so fast forward 25 years of uh, looking for someone to come up. Uh, back in the mid-90s, we did a study, we, people in Duluth, uh, where we took a group of pretty good runners and had them train twice a week for six weeks using body weight support, uh, compared one group to a placebo group, and the, the group that used body weight support got better. Uh, their times improved more, 
their running economy improved. And we presented that study at American College of Sports Medicine in the mid-90s. And I thought, geez, everybody's just going to jump on this. Um, well, nobody did. <laughs> um, it was cumbersome. The equipment that was around wasn't that good. It, wasn't, it was expensive. It wasn't available. So I, I spent about 25 years looking for, waiting for someone else to come up with a, uh, a program. The, the thing that was, was missing was the, the, golden, the golden ring on it really was systems that were around grabbed you at the, at the rib cage and, and lifted up, or they grabbed you like a climbing harness and lifted up through the groin region, both of which are uncomfortable. It's not a fun way to run and wanted to get a system that could, could make that lift happen right at, the, uh, right at the hip joint so the mechanics would be normal, the effect of the lift would be optimized, you could still breathe easily, you could still have hip rotation, etc. And then it had to be affordable and somewhat portable so that, that people could use it. And so, um, what we have here is, is a system, it's, it's going to be shipped out to the University of Oregon to, to go into New Hayward Field. So that's the, that's the custom uh, green and gold colors there. But these are available on the market too. And um, we're going to put, we're actually going to put somebody in the treadmill and, and show you how it works. Um, so Bud, Bud Trinka is going to come in into view here and, and uh, get himself, get himself hooked up. And we found that taking 25 pounds off right through the hip gives him a gives him a great great line there. So he's got on a pair of custom shorts that have a pair of that have Velcro strips sewn onto the side of the leg. We couple that to Velcro that's on some elastic straps uh, that were created. The frame is designed to fit around any existing treadmill, and there's three different models of the frame, but they all lift the same, but they fit around a treadmill so that if you're not using it as a body weight support system, it is still just like a regular treadmill. It doesn't take up any extra space, no extra expense buying anything. Once he's hooked there, we measure the height of the bar how high the bars are above his hips are what determine the, uh, the amount of lift he's going to get. We found out, you know, by just doing it a thousand times, that taking 25 pounds off gives a person a good running effect. So that's what it's set up at this point. He's going to hook into the back now, clip into the, clip himself into the front, and so it doesn't, doesn't take any extra time to do uh, and from a rehab perspective and from a gym perspective, the shorts are actually something that you can, can wear easily, do your yoga class, do all your stretching weights. And all he has to do now and what he'll do is just hit the start button and go. And as you watch him, why don't you take it up to about six, but we'll, we'll, skip, we'll skip the warm up. Unfortunately, with this, you cannot do the side-to-side -side stuff. You can, you can do, well, I shouldn't say that. You can do it, but you can't uh, unhook it and, and such. So I'll get out of the way, and we'll just kind of watch him run for a brief And what you see is 
is a free arm swing. He can breathe. He can turn his head. Um, we can see his legs. It's, a, it's an excellent thing to videotape him. You can listen to what you're doing. Um, you can change him and really say, well, I want you to really go be a heel striker. Um, or be a mid-foot striker, be a toe-off kind of person. And now go ahead and just take it up to nine miles an hour, 6.40 pace. And as he runs, get an opportunity to, to, to go through that and learn the paces. And, uh, we've got some good studies going on, both from a performance enhancement and as a rehab too. So that's the, that's the beauty of the light speed system. Simple, very effective, uh, and economical at the same time. So I, you know, I, I should ask. I should start asking questions now from you. Now, what what do you know about body weight support? <laughs> Yeah, no, I know, um, you know, the thing that I think a lot of people see um, for any type of trend before it hits a mass market, it hits a mass popularity is key influencers maybe in that area. So, um, you know, I follow and I know a lot of the people probably watching the stream follow uh, some professional athletes or follow some people they might see on social media. Uh, they might have seen uh, you know, people running in Alter-Gs a few years ago, the, the Alter-G of the, you know, like the, the forced air environment, creating that, um, you know, type of sensation of the lessened body weight, but not everybody has uh, $50,000 to spend on their own treadmill and strap in to this harness and stuff like that. But, um, you know, kind of the, the 15 or 20 seconds that it takes to clip in and put a Velcro thing on the side of some shorts that you would normally be wearing um, or something very similar to what you'd normally be wearing, uh, it seems like a very easy way to, um, you know, address this problem. And so for a lot of people dealing with maybe issues of practicality, there's a lot less um, sort of thing. So I, I know probably people watching this uh, are interested probably because, you know, we, we touted that, hey, you know, Malcolm was going to come on and talk about light speed lift. So for people that had never seen it, I think it's probably a very beneficial and helpful thing that, um, people just assume that you can only run on the treadmill, not that you can alter the environment directly around you and actually address your performance directly on the treadmill um, as well. So I've been familiar with it uh, and it seeing it as easy as that uh, in, in this type of setting, um, I think is, is is very, very cool. Yeah, it, it um, you know, it probably, you know, there was developed for a rehab perspective. Yeah. Uh, my friend quickly, said, wow, this could make even normal runners uh, run, run better. Uh, you address coming back from an injury before and how long does it take to, to get tendons, ligaments, and, and bones back in shape. And that, that's certainly one component of it. But um, as I mentioned before, we've also got a flinch factor that's been built into us. If we've been hurt uh, for any length of time, even over two weeks, uh, when we go back, we're not, we're not running normal. Uh, and, and it's more of a motor program than it is uh, purely because we can we can say, gosh, I can I can move this thing. But what I found over over the years, supporting it, uh, it's more than just a mechanical effect. It's the body tends to relax 
and all of a sudden lets you lets you run, lets you move normally again without that that worry of of, of the flinch. And so, if you're coming back after knee surgery uh, and you've been walking stiff-legged for a long time, and your therapist has been chirping at you for months to say, "Come on, I know you can bend that knee," and yet you don't. Um, and as soon as we clip them up on this and lift them up a, a X amount, all of a sudden that leg relaxes and that normal swing comes back. It isn't just strength when they, and this would go more into anterior cruciate ligaments, so runners don't tend to get those as, as much as others, but say a soccer player coming back or a football player coming back, it's one thing to get the strength and to be able to, to crank that Cybex machine up and down and, and to show that you've got strength. But the quickness and the, the motor program to, to, to run fast, uh, if you don't practice it in a safe environment, which you can do with a body weight support system much earlier in the rehab process, um, you're gonna have trouble when you get back to the, to the actual game condition. So we found it uh, super, super helpful to, to have. And as, as you mentioned, um, smaller rehab clinics, uh, home people, home base, and even a lot of larger places don't have the budget to, to spend 50,000, 25 to 50,000 on some of the bigger systems. And in effect too, most people that, that run on, will take the Alter-G versus the light speed. The light speed, you know, my criteria was that you've got to be able to have as normal motion as possible. And the mechanics on light speed and the, the ease, you've still, got, you've still got the ability to turn your hips in a transverse plane, have the ability to, uh, to move your arms normally, to breathe normally. Um, and you're not cut off from your legs. So, you know, and, and yet it's economical enough to, to bring into, into places. So I, I think it's got a great opportunity to go to help a lot more a lot more people, and I, and I think of it as a helping tool. And then to be able to say, well, uh, we were just in the midst of a study before the uh, the COVID crisis crisis hurt. We had uh, twenty of the you know decent runners in Duluth. Actually, it was a, it was a broad spectrum of runners in Duluth, from fifteen minute five k people up to thirty five minute five k people, from people in their young twenties up to their mid sixties. But they were all liked running. They they had a joy for they had that classic joy for running, and and running fast is is fun. I'll, I'll tell you if you can't can't do it, running fast is is really fun. So and being supported, you can you can run faster. Uh, at age sixty eight, I can still get on here and and run at thirteen miles an hour for just a little time. But at least it's still it keeps that glimmer of hope alive. Anyway, these folks were doing a, a protocol based off of. Um, out of the Hanson Brothers Marathon training, where he takes a five five k time as a predicted, and uses that pace for their speed training. When you're on body weight support, you can typically run about a minute per mile faster at the same aerobic effort, and so instead of running a seven thirty pace, we could run their intervals at a six thirty pace, uh, and it was a tempo, but it was you know it wasn't pure wow. Uh, going all out, but 6.30 pace and staying that at two, three, four minutes, your body gets a chance to learn how to run at that 6.30 pace. 
And unfortunately, we got through four weeks of that. And uh, the feedback from it was, gosh, this feels good. When I go outside, I, I feel lighter. We didn't get any injuries. Uh, we all know that when we go to the track those first few times, that's a danger zone. And so 22 participants, various stages, although it was always for all of them, it was their first speed experience in a while. So being able to take them up into a, an interval type program, preparation for the summer <laughs> racing season, um, and not get them hurt, not get them sore. They came back the next week, the next week, the next week. Uh, I think it shows tremendous benefit on the high end where some of the elite athletes are really finding it beneficial, particularly those that don't have a, a high-speed treadmill. When we sent this out to Jordan Hasse, uh, her treadmill only went 12 miles an hour, which, you know, that's kind of training pace for her as she was coming back. Now, when she first started, she was coming off a stress reaction in her foot, and so we were really trying to mitigate that. And any running at all was, was great. But as she got better, 12 wasn't fast enough for her. Where she ended up using it more, and where Alexi Pappas continues to use it, it's a great recovery tool. So you go out, you do a hard run the day before, two days before even. You can do your recovery runs at what a normal training pace would be. So you're not just hammering away and beating up those tendons and ligaments again. You're actually able to spring along at a pretty, you know, at a normal pace. Um, I always compare it to, you want to run with good mechanics all the time. So when people go out for just a jog, I, not sure if that's doing them as much harm as it is as it is good versus if you can run along at a normal pace golfers don't go out and just kind of slap balls off into the into the they don't ever want to practice bad form and i think for runners having a body weight support system allows them to come back and do a recovery form recovery run uh, with normal pace normal form so a couple of great uses for it rehab and just in a normal training program. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the, yeah, the, the stuff that I initially saw was on the Instagram, like explore page. And it's like, oh, Jordan essays using what? Um, so, you know, kind of household name in the elite running side. I have one question before we dive into the listener questions that we had trickling during um, that great showing off of the light speed lift system is, can you describe to me what the initial sensation or feeling is when you strap in and then all of a sudden you start because there's always a um sort of wow moment if somebody's using a foam roller for the first time or if somebody's jump roping for the first time but if somebody straps into a light speed lift system and they take 25 pounds off of their um you know off of their frame for practical running purposes what is that initial sensation and feeling like how would you describe that Ah, it's been a long time <laughs> since I did my first one, but I like that question. Um, when you when you walk slowly in it, it tends to it tends to move you in a frontal plane, um, and so there's some awkwardness uh, finding the front part, the back part, and finding the, the sweet spot. As you pick up the speed, almost counterintuitively, it gets easier, um, and you'll find yourself kind of settling into a good running position. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of people want to be right up at the front of that treadmill um, and leaning forward as a safety thing. 
what you'll find is when you've got the light speed on you, you can you can relax. Uh, so people just eat much earlier in a treadmill experience than they normally would. Relax, fall into a good posture, are willing to play around with. Huh, where's how can I do a mid court? Can I do a heel strike? Uh, can I increase my cadence? Because they. There is the lift, but there's also a feeling that you're not going to fall. You're not going to go off the back. You're not going to. You're not going to go off the side. All you have to worry about is going. And so, people can relax, and they tell me that you can much more get into that runner's high easier because you're not so stressed out about am I going to go off the back of the treadmill or something. And so, it's a more relaxing experience than normal treadmill. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we have two quick questions uh, here, and then I want to give you a, a chance to talk uh, any tiny bit more about Lightspeed Lift before we wrap up. Um, Sean says, given gyms being closed, what surface would be best for a recovering planter injury? Track, trail, asphalt, maybe if somebody isn't able to access a treadmill, what would be the optimal running surface for them to go on right now? Did you say was there a plantar injury or just yeah plantar plantar injury? Yeah, um, well, soft soft surfaces uh, tend to be better. I think for a plantar injury, I, I think fast walking is a is a tremendous tremendous exercise. Tends to put a little less little less stress. Make sure you've got ankle mobility if you want to run though. Uh, trails are, are absolutely fabulous because you're, you're changing up your, your orientation of your foot and um, you're, you're going to get a better workout. Downhill runs are going to put a little less stress on that plantar fascia as compared to uphill running. So uh, at the knee, it would be a, you know the exact opposite of that. But on a plantar injury, I'd say, you know, go ahead and run some downhill stuff. When you come to, come to an uphill, switch over and walk up the uphill. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I never thought about it like that, just how things get stretched out when you're going uphill or downhill. But um, if I, you know, knock on wood, never have a plantar injury, but if I do, that'll be something to keep in mind. Um, and last question we have here is from Tony. He says, I just had a left total hip replacement in January. When and how do you recommend getting back into training? I'm currently walking on a treadmill every day. So um, I would definitely say if somebody's working with a, a local PT or something that knows their situation a little bit better, um, always refer the questions to them. But would you have any general guidance for somebody coming back from a total hip replacement? Yeah, yeah. It, it um, you know, I think the treadmill walking is is good stuff. I, I'd say as you're as you're going along, again, check with your physician, uh, PT wise, make sure that the components they use the approach that they use is, is appropriate and that, that you're in shape. But people are coming back and running with total hip replacements now. Uh, so jogging at a slow speed, even at three miles an hour and doing a jog on a treadmill is, is a great exercise. It may, might not seem like three miles an hour. That's not even right. But if, you, if you're picking up the feet and putting them down, you'll get a good sense of, gosh, can I do this? And so Kind of using the Tim Galloway method of, of doing a, a little walk run uh, with with very short walk, running intervals interspersed with probably three to four times as long of a walk gives that surface uh, you know the new components theoretically you know the 
the ball and socket are fine, they're, they're inert, but they put those into real living tissue that has to, has to adapt to that impact. So start with a short intervals, jogging at slow speeds, uh, you could even put a little incline into that. And because running is significantly different than, than the walking that he's doing. Great, yeah, great feedback. Um, that wraps it up for all the questions we have. I wanna ask you if people wanna find out more about you or Lightspeed Lift, where should they go for more information? Well, the website is on is at uh, www.lightspeedlift.com. Uh, we've got a few, and it's a, it's a good website. There's a few uh, videos up on YouTube also under, under Lightspeed. Um, so we've got some information there. Uh, Facebook and Instagram both have, both have some pages. We've gotten, you know, we're getting more traction around the country. Uh, really looking forward. These uh, these friends going out to Hayward Field are uh, an exciting piece for for our company for sure, and I, I think for the whole running community, kind of to get to get something like this out into the the mecca of running. Uh, besides, I'm excited as heck to get out there and see that facility. It sure looks great on on film there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're all excited for running events to come back to all these uh, you know kind of areas that we are used to watching um, all this stuff at too. So, um, Malcolm, I want to thank you so much again for coming on. This was a great information session. I think a lot of people had a lot of questions answered. Um, if people do want to ask any follow up questions, is Facebook or Instagram or the website the best way to get in contact if they have any maybe specific questions after this presentation? Uh, yeah, they could do that. Other, um, do we have a? I'm, I'm just asking, Bud, if we've got a question space on our on our Facebook. Uh, you can direct message or info. Info at info at lightspeedlift.com. That's info at lightspeedlift.com. Great question. Thank you. Awesome. Cool. Well, that wraps it up for today. I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to talk to us. We're really excited to keep this For the Love of Running series going. Uh, we will be back with a, another episode later this week. Hope everyone is staying healthy and safe, and we will see you later. Bye-bye. Appreciate it.